John, can you imagine just the, the shake and Blake blow? It's at Bell Snyder Family Stadium. It's just our faces on center field, just just huge. I just, <laughs> I mean, we we, and, we 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 discussed about like Illinois and Wyoming yeah. for like forty five seconds, and <laughs> and pretty soon we're gonna have to make a two parter. All right, y'all, it's seven oh six. Welcome back to the Shake and Blake Show, John Grove, alongside. The man, the myth, the legend, Blake Crawford. It's a real pleasure, John. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. So, uh, man, I'm all flustered now. I don't know what to say. I usually just start talking and I just black right. out. And an hour later, we have an episode. But <laughs> you starting it off, I don't know where to begin. I am. I am now the host of a show. <laughs> it's going to be called. It's going to be called Chicken John. <laughs> it has a ring to it. Yeah, it definitely has a ring to it. Uh, it just you have to say it a few times, you know, and then it just uh, really it starts to click. So clearly, clearly <sighs> that's what they say in Talladega Nights: "It's shaking John." Yeah, shaking John. That's right. You know, it, it just makes too much sense. Well, anyway, we should probably get down to business, John. So uh, this episode, we're going to touch on a couple things, do a, kind of a general football preview, since you know it's almost that time, John. Oh my gosh, oh, we're my getting God. there. We're getting there. <sighs> we got we got week zero on Saturday. Sadly, K State isn't playing, but you know it's it's football, so specifically college football. So you already know I'm going to be binge watching. I'm going to be binge watching Fox college football every day, whether it's whether it's some mediocre teams like Vanderbilt and Illinois playing. I'm ready. I'm just I'm just ready to get this season's going. Yeah, me too. And I mean, it's just, it's going to be a ton of fun. Expectations, I think, are pretty high, John. But uh, before we get to that, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at ShakenBlake312. And kind of the plan, um, if you're following us on Twitter, you'll be able to keep up with this. But I think our plan is to drop kind of a general football preview um, today. Uh, and then going into next week, I think we'll try and do an episode every day, uh, Monday through Friday, do five big questions. Each day, we're going to try and answer a question about, K-State football that I may come up with. Then on Friday, when we do our uh, live show on Wildcat 91.9 at uh, 6 p.m., we'll do uh, one of the, I don't know, whatever the best question I can come up with is. And then we'll also do some, uh, we'll uh, rebirth uh, K-State trivia. So we'll probably do some, like, you know, uh, opening season trivia just to, you know, see what they're like. So yeah. I'm really excited for that. So we're just, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Just, we're just getting started, man. This oh, is, my gosh. I mean, it's, 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 it's Christmas. Yeah, it's 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 football's version of Christmas. All right. Yep. And let's go ahead and get we'll start with the good news before we get to football. I just want to congratulate Wyatt Thompson on being inducted in the Kansas Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Nobody could deserve it more. Absolutely world class announcer. So props to Wyatt. Absolute great guy um, and a pleasure to have him as the voice of the Wildcats. And a much better guy off the radio set as well, off the headset as well. Um, when you have a conversation with him, he is just hands-on. Um, one of the greatest guys you'll ever you'll ever connect with, um, and he's done so much for K State over the past twenty years. Um, I believe he started back in two thousand and three. I believe um, was when uh, he he had some calls when Darren Sproles was running all over Oklahoma in two thousand and three, uh, and he's not lost any luster. He's he's still got it and. So does Sam Weber. Both of those guys do a great job, um, as always, for the for K State Sports Network. And 
Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing them once again, uh, whether it's for radio, for road games, or highlights, stuff like that. I mean, he he has he has earned it without a doubt. Yeah, we're really lucky to have him. Uh, but we got to touch on some really uh, heartbreaking news, John. Uh, that we're recording this Thursday night. Came out this afternoon. Uh, Aoka Lee is going to have a season-ending knee surgery, so she'll be out for the rest of the 2022-23 season, look to get back in 23-24. And it's just, I mean, it just kind of came out of nowhere, John. And it, when I saw the news, I was just absolutely heartbroken that, you know, it, the things just, you know, you had a really good season last year, make the tournament, pick up a win. And to, for this to happen, it's just, it just really sucks and makes you think, you know, because we get these new transfers, a couple of really good recruits come in for the women's basketball team as well. I mean, we're looking like, you know, a really serious team that could have contended for a Big 12 title and definitely make the tournament. Oh, oh without a doubt. And uh, I mean, this is just not a, or, like, this is just not an average in- injury. I mean, this is one that is, this is a player that has really given national presence for K-State women's basketball, especially with with her uh, 61 point performance against Oklahoma uh, just a year ago. And um, just, just having her as the key factor inside the paint, uh, it's going to, it's going to be a gut punch for K-State women's basketball this year. Um, But look, the good thing is, is that she, she will be back um, following the surgery. So um, that's a, that's a great sign as well, but um, boy, you are right. It is, it is kind of a, it is kind of a, 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 I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's definitely a gut punch for sure um, for a team that was looking to um, be really poised to, to make some noise in the Big 12 this season. Yeah, I mean, you're not only using your, losing your best player on your team, but, I mean, you're losing, like, a potential player of the year candidate, one of the best players in the entire country. So, yeah. I mean, we – All-American center, uh, and based on a few, other, a few um, projections, she was – I mean, she was preseason top five pick in the, in the WNBA draft as well. So uh, I, I don't know if that's going to ultimately lead to her, her aspirations or what she's planning on doing, but um, anticipate a few ripple effects uh, with this, with the, uh, what, with what has taken place today. Yep. Yeah. All we can do is just wish her for a, uh, you know, good and speedy recovery. So really hope that works out for her. So um, let's get into football, John. So uh, I think Whoa. we can start. Let's start off with just a little bit, kind of refresh your memory of what happened last year. I think expectations last year were fairly high as well. I mean, you had Skylar Thompson coming back for his fifth year. We saw what Deuce Vaughn could do his freshman year. Going into a sophomore year, we can only assume he got better. You know, had a handful of guys returning, so things were pretty high. Um, you know, expecting to win, you know, eight, nine games, maybe compete for a big 12 title, but obviously game one, John, you know, Skyler goes down. I remember it like it was yesterday. I've never heard game, Bill Snyder game. family say to him. It was game two. Yeah. We, we oh, played sorry. one. Oh yes, we did. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking of some cupcake. I'm, I totally forgot my bad, but I've never heard Bill Snyder family stadium more silent. That was just absolutely heartbreaking to see after all the hard work he did last year injury that happened to him it's just and it did not look good so it was just absolutely terrifying to see that but you know will howard looked you know pretty good in the non-conference games then him and the defense both got really got exposed against oklahoma state in a 31 to 20 loss but um coming into the ou game based on press conferences climbing and uh uh, courtney messingham both didn't really seem like skyler was going to play on saturday it seemed pretty unlikely 
but he made a miraculous return. I'll remember mm-hmm. it. I remember that too. Just get, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. You know, Mitch Fortner, kind of, you know, now starting for your K State Wildcats, number seven, Skylar Thompson. I just, it was so it, cool to get a view of the entire stadium. It, it was when he, it was when he got onto the field, everybody just exploded, especially yeah. on the west side of the stadium. Like when he just got out of a, out of the um, huddle on the sideline, the crowd just imploded. And he was he was in uniform during warmups, and when he came out, that's when I that's when me and my me me and a few of a few of our buddies, I'm kind of new. Okay, it's likely going to be Skylar Thompson, and and right there, I mean, j- just hearing the crowd reactions to that, I mean, there there was no, I, I mean, without Skylar Thompson, there was likely no other way K State was going to hang with Oklahoma. I, I mean, with the way. With the way the offense got exposed under under Will Howard, it, I mean K State really needed a Skylar Thompson for the Oklahoma game um, overall. Um, but ultimately, it, it was a loss. But it it was good to have Thompson back. It might not have been at full health. The most he could have done is throw throw the football. But um, ultimately, actually, that was a really good performance as well, from from what I remember as well. Yeah, I think it was one of the best of his career. I mean, I'd, I'd never really seen Skyler stay so poised in the pocket. Anyway, it ended up, you know, being a 37-31 loss. Uh, not without some controversy, of course, with Lincoln Riley, you know, tricking the refs into viewing a critical play twice. But it is what it is. They put up a pretty poor performance against Iowa State, um, mm-hmm. including a first-play touchdown by Brees Hall at home, which really sucked. But turned it around, went on a four-game winning streak, beat the teams they were supposed to beat. Miraculous comeback against Texas, legendary play by Felix. You know, a blowout against TCU where Felix almost broke the NCAA record for sacks in a game. Just a legendary run for Felix there. Um, they play Baylor on a pretty emotional senior night. Offense doesn't play very well, lose 20 to 10. And then we're not going to talk about the Texas game. And then they go out and whoop LSU. So finish the season, you know, eight and five, get a bowl game win. Um, a pretty solid season, but um, I think coming into this season, expectations are definitely even higher. I, I think for last year, uh, K-State K- was closer than Venom might have seemed to be being deep when it came to the hunt of the Big 12 championship. I mean, grant, granted, life in the Big 12 is about winning the tight games to get out of the middle and always even packed, but it, it, it didn't But it didn't get hammered in any of the bigger losses. Uh, uh, slipped through enough wins to get bowling with ease, uh, and, of course, you totally roll through a depleted LSU team in the Texas Bowl. What's going to now? Now we're turning the page to this year. What it, what is it going to take for for a K State team that looks to be pretty dang good on paper, starting to get some more media hype as the season approaches? What is it going to take to be sensational and rise up to be the big in the Big Twelve championship mix? Oh, you're asking me? Oh no, I I, I was just getting into preview so- there, but it's okay. <laughs> Well, sometimes you'll ask like a rhetorical question and then answer it. So, I mean, I'm not really sure when I'm supposed to jump in. I'm new to this, John. I'll kind of like out a question. And I'll answer it as well. Um, if this, if there's a year for K-State to contend in the big 12 championship, I mean, this, this is clearly the year to do it. I mean, you, you look at some of the teams, Oklahoma, they're, they're going to be in a reboot phase with Brent Venables as, as a head coach now. Texas is just, is just still trying to find itself, um, especially now with a few players uh, out for the season. 
Uh, both of them will be bolting immediately. So, I mean, you hear them in the next few years. The, the program knows how to fill the parts instantly. K-State does. They're bringing back, I mean, they're bringing in Adrian Martinez, and they should be, be bringing, up, bringing enough firepower to get the boost needed to win all these tight games. And, I mean, you got to think, but the last time K-State won the Big 12 championship was 2012. I mean, it, it, for a team that's misloaded, I'd say it's about time to get back to that form. Yeah, I mean, really, you have the external circumstances of Oklahoma not being the powerhouse they used to be. Obviously, Oklahoma State and Baylor and, you know, maybe Texas, but we're not going to talk about Texas. They get enough talk already. So you have those teams, you know, already like, you know, not maybe the Big 12 isn't quite as strong as it usually is. And then internally, you have this team that is just like you have grad transfer Adrian Martinez. Deuce Vaughn and Felix and UDK Uzama, who are both in their junior years, who could possibly go pro after this year. You have a really experienced team of mostly like, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, even seventh year seniors. I mean, if not now, when, you know, this is the team to do it. Absolutely. With the guys that we have, which is a great segue, John, into like talking a little bit. I'll touch a little bit of who we lost last year. Um, obviously you have your quarterback, Skylar Thompson. You have some big defensive guys, Rust, East, Reggie, Stubblefield. Brandon Jennings transferred to K-State and then transferred out, obviously. So that's kind of hurt. Yeah, uh, it, it, it hurt a little bit. I mean, and I, I don't know if it was really through. I, I can't really just, besides going back, back home to Orlando, which might have made things easier for him, uh, not really sure what the, the initiative the the overall perspective for for his was um at that time but it it was a little bit of a disappointing loss for k-state um for the most part you also lose um uh joe irving uh the backup quarter backup running back uh last year for k-state he's had some pretty he had some really good runs um this past season he's over at middle tennessee state i believe yeah right middle tennessee state and then you lose jacardia right and some some of the other key pieces um, from a running back position, which kind of fills a hole um, with everybody behind Deuce Vaughn. So um, for for the most part, um, dang, I, I can't find a I, I couldn't find a way to to pull a segue. Um, I mean, but Blake, Blake, you are you are <laughs> a legend when it comes to getting in seg- segues for sure. But. Um, one, one thing K-State will be lacking on this year, it'll be depth. Obviously, health matters for every team, but for every team, um, but it's going to be extra true for K-State. Um, I mean, it, it's not quite right to say injuries will be a bigger deal than it will be for most teams, but they'll matter with the way K-State, K-State's roster is and the way their schedule lays out and with the, and with the makeup of this year's team as well. Yeah, and I think that's why Kleiman decided to go so transfer portal heavy in his recruiting because he knew he needed depth. You know, that's why you get guys like Drake Cheatham and, you know, Jordan Wright and Sean Robinson, and then you get Will Honus. Those are all, you know, all defensive guys who can really kind of add some depth. And, uh, you know, because injuries happen in football. It's just, you know, it's just a thing that happens. And obviously, you know, guys need rest too. So it's good to be able to throw in guys who are experienced and have reps to be able to, you know, still get the job done. And, let, and let's not forget, this team was dinged up already in spring ball uh, with a whole lot of key parts being held out at times just, just to be safe. I mean, you call that smart or overly cautious, but 
good luck trying to figure out um, what what Fatima is going to do and be if you're expecting good help, though, uh, in, in the first six weeks. That, that's pretty much all I got to say when it comes to uh, some of a deplete depl- some of a lack of depth right there for K-State. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if you don't look at depth and you just look at, you know, the starting 22, I think we're one of the best teams in the Big 12. And I think we can go ahead and get into the offense here, starting with Adrian Martinez. I'm going to frame it this way, John. I'm going to read you Skylar Thompson's numbers from last year in 10 games through for 2,100 yards, about like 70% completion percentage, 12 TDs, four interceptions. Uh and I don't know if I should even ask if Adrian Martinez can top these numbers because it's obvious that he can. But, I mean, what do you think are reasonable expectations for Adrian Martinez coming into this year? He, he was supposed to be the superstar who, uh, who, or, who pretty much flourished in a new era of Nebraska football under Scott Frost. I mean, he's, he's a great recruit, um, uh, great, great transfer. He brought in all the tools and the talent for Nebraska's offense. And, he did what he could for flawed teams that struggle to catch a break or sometimes create his own. However, Mar- Martinez had 64% of his throws, got better at, as a big play passer, and he was one of the more steadiest run, running quarterbacks in college football. Um, now, now he'll get the chance to close out his career as a good part of a puzzle and not necessarily the main man. I mean, r- remember, Nebraska had no, no other weapons uh, to work with offensively, the offensive line was just an absolute dumpster fire. Um, it, it was, it was not, it, it was just like not, not a good starting eleven offensively for Nebraska uh, at the time. And now, coming into K State, you, Kleiman already mentioned in some of his press conferences, they're going to try and light and kind of ease on some of the overall factors that Adrian Martinez is going to be dependent on, whether it's his running capabilities, um, how, how open his receivers will be, because K-State has wide receivers and they, all, and they have a explosive dynamic quarterback. I mean, sorry, <laughs> explosive dynamic running back as well. And add to that, you also got an offensive line who will be led by Cooper Beebe and a bunch of, and a bunch of other guys who should be uh, serviceable as well. Yeah, I mean, Adrian Martinez left a 1998 Honda Civic driven by Scott Frost into a freaking, I don't know what, if K-State was a car, what would it be? Because we're not like a Ferrari, you know, we're not like, we don't have That's, that flash. Texas is a, well, I, I always made this joke is like Texas is the, no, Bajon Robinson is the Ferrari and Texas is the, is the rented mobile home or something like that. <laughs> That, oh yeah that meme yeah that one yep that's a good, uh, um, i know what you're talking about for nebraska six i man that's difficult but you put me on the spot with the with the car comparisons um, i was just thinking like you know like an audi or a mercedes just something you know it's not super high class but it's still respected among like you know rich like people Christ, and, like it, a, and it really gets it still gets the job done still give you some yeah. flash still can go fast um, like a like a Chrysler or a Volkswagen or yeah something like that. Well, one of the better Volkswagens and not one of those many ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we're like a. I don't know if we're a truck. You know, uh, we probably used to be a truck. You know, like in the good Bill Snyder days. You know, those kind of teams. We were definitely, especially like Colin Klein. If Colin Klein, 
definitely yeah. those 2011, 2012 teams. That is like a, uh, I, I don't want to name a truck cause I know truck people, you know, there's good trucks and bad trucks, but whatever, like, cause whatever the best truck out there is, that's the 2012 K-State football team. Colin Klein is Colin Klein doesn't need to be a car. He's Optimus Klein. <laughs> that's I a mean, t-shirt right there. Exactly. Optimus yeah, Klein. No, they, they were, they were calling him that back, back in 2012 Optimus Klein. I mean, he was just shredding through West Virginia defenses. I mean, he, he's got a lot of running capabilities and for the offensive part, of course, you're bringing, you're bringing now bringing in, bringing him in as the op, new offensive coordinator um, and seeing seeing as um, seeing the way he he um, outcoached LSU's defense in the Texas Bowl, given that LSU was a little bit depleted, um, but a lot more variety. It, it showed as if a lot more vibrance um, with the K State offense under Klein, under Klein um, in that bowl game. It, and it should be interesting to see um, how some of his new coaching capabilities will come into play, uh, whether it's um, uh, moving lines of scrimmages a little more quickly, uh, breaking out of huddles, um, kind of cut. It's not. It's not that Courtney Messingham was. It's not that Courtney Messingham was um, like. It's not. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to put this into words. It's not like Courtney Messingham was overall the bad offensive coordinator, but it looked as if as time was flying, uh, there was a lot of other Big Twelve teams that were starting to uh, really go through. A, quicker route and they were trying to and it was starting to little become a little more easy uh, finding um, the way his offense is the way he runs the offense um, so it'll be interesting to see how Colin Klein's able to take the initiative um, and see what what options are available because of course we, we saw the wide receivers just go off against LSU and of course you also have Deuce Vaughn um, who, who will be a menace to the menace in the backfield as well and you got you got adrian martinez as well who kind of reminds me of colin klein when it comes to his running capabilities as well yeah i mean let's go ahead and touch on the wide receivers a little bit i don't know how you feel about the wide receivers john but it's kind of a i don't know the wide receivers have been a question mark in k-state football for a very long time i mean you got a guy and you know malik Knowles who i am really high on he's got all the athletic talent in the world he's obviously an extremely great returner as well extremely valuable to have but um i mean his numbers from last year you know 29 receptions 440 receiving yards i i really want to see that go up i mean if he, i'd love to see malik Knowles get 50 catches just do something to put him out in the you know out in an open field just run some quick slant quick slants you know or stuff like that he can obviously win 1v1 too against smaller cornerbacks I mean, he's, he's really a guy that I think we really, I don't know what it is exactly, but I really would like to see him utilized more because we saw Phillip Brooks kind of, you know, break out last year. He had a great season in the slot. He'll be a consistent guy, but I mean, if you need a big play threat, which I think in the, you know, in the big 12, I think is really necessary. Malik Knowles is that guy. I, I would say for the most part, when it comes to the receiving corps, um, K-State should be ultimately set. Um, of course you got Phillip Brooks, um, one of the top returning yardage receiver. And then you also have Malik Knowles as a big all-conference caliber target. There's enough, there's enough um, uh, help coming from the transfer portal as well from a, as well from a standpoint. Of course, you got Cade Warner who came in last year from Nebraska. He was he, he was able to make some tremendous catches as well. Um, so overall, I think I think 
the wide receiver position, of course, you're probably going to have the two two over <laughs> overall the two locked positions with um, with Philip Brooks and Malik Knowles. Um, but you, I am I am a little bit higher on Malik Knowles uh, since the LSU game. He he really showed out. Two touchdown catches um, in that game. Of course, you got Phillip Brooks, um, five for seven, 169 yards, 84 catches. Oh, no, 80, 84 catches, 951 yards um, overall. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's a pretty balanced. Uh, they have, can, can, <laughs> it's one of these nights. K-State has a lot of wide receiver, wide receiver options um, that they can look towards. It's okay, John. I found it in the last I know. episode. So. <laughs> it, it's fine. Uh, gosh, I don't even remember where we were. Oh, and then you also, you know, you also have Jaden Jackson and then RJ Garcia, yes. who seems to be a guy. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, J- Jaden Jackson. I mean, I think that might be one of the more key impact transfers from from uh, for K-State's sakes, of course. Um, comes from Ole Miss. He had a few great standout plays as well. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see how he performs. Uh, I, you, yeah. I mean, you're all, you're also right about R.J. Garcia as well. Um, uh, I, <laughs> I, I just say I'd, I'd love to see it, him. It, in, yeah, yeah. I just I'd love to see him in in the South Dakota game. Get a few reps. You know, just just to really see what he's got, you know, maybe one of those like end around things for him, just get him an open field and see what he can do. Seems to be a guy climate has really, you know, been praising a lot um, at the, you know, in press conferences. So I'd love to see what he has to offer. Cause you know, we're, we'll take all the wide receivers we can get. Yeah. You, you pretty much, you pretty much said it. The amount of, the amount of more wide receivers that are open, that, that are able to open up opportunities for Adrian Martinez will be nothing short of in a miracle compared to compared to the wide receivers he had at Nebraska, in which they were just they were, they were just not a whole lot of options. I mean, they, I mean, a lot of the Big Ten players they were just covering the Nebraska guys from left to right. Um, but we've seen in the past Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks. Oh, Sammy Wheeler as well. You can't forget about him. Uh, I mean, he's not a wide receiver, but overall he he is he is very valuable when it comes to um, but receiving corpse as well. Um, he'll he, hopefully he'll have a standout season as well. Yeah, that's definitely. I think tight end is a little bit of a concern for me. Uh, I mean, yeah. Daniel Armato Bebe, you know, he had injury struggles last year, but he when he was on the field, he was at like he was a bit like a nice guy to have there because he was a, he was ginormous, great for run blocking, but he also could break out in space, you know, make a few nice catches. Uh, Sammy Wheeler, like he really struggled with run blocking in that Oklahoma state game, which is a bad game all around for the entire team. Yeah. But I just, I have some question marks there. So hopefully, you know, hopefully they can prove me wrong. Titan will be a strong spot of the team. Um, I don't know if you have anything particularly profound to make, to say about the offensive line. I think the thing just to note is, you know, you're losing two bit, uh, you know, big key players in the offensive line, Josh Revis and Noah Johnson, especially Noah Johnson at center. Yeah. So uh, Hayden Gillum looks to be uh, the starting center for week one at center for uh, K-State. So, and then also uh, Cooper Beebe is moving to left guard, played left tackle last year. Guards is more natural position. So, I mean, who knows, maybe he can be even better. And then you also have Christian Duffy uh, returning at right tackle. So, but I mean, overall, I mean, this offensive line, redshirt senior, redshirt junior, 
redshirt junior, redshirt junior, redshirt senior. These are all fourth and fifth year guys who've been in the program for a long time and know what they're doing. So I'll say I'll say this, but the skill parts will be sneaky great. Um, I, I think there's enough talent um, around all star all star uh, all star offensive lineman Cooper Beebe. Um, but the interior needs to be a little bit stronger, even with the three with the three starters gone. And, you know, K-State has been always – they've always managed to fill the gaps. Yeah, and then, I mean, at running back, Deuce Vaughn is Deuce, Deuce, Deuce Vaughn. Is Deuce Vaughn. Um, when it comes to behind Deuce Vaughn, uh, there was the transfer, Anthony Frias, uh, but it seems DJ Giddens has actually Giddens. taken the spot for number two. Um, so he's been a guy Clement's really liked as well. So love to see what he can do because it's obviously really important to have a second guy behind Deuce, just be able to give him a break, maybe, you know, run some two running back um, formations, put him out in the slot. Just, you know, I think you could really be creative when you have a guy like Deuce Vaughn and be able to move him all over the place and just confuse the defense. I mean, the, the, the backs are in place to roll no matter what. I mean, you got the five foot six, 173 pound Deuce Vaughn. I mean, he's tough enough to handle the work coming off of the uh of a 1404 yard 18 touchdown season. I would say overall, but I mean the depth is improving clearly, but the rushing production will will also come from uh Adrian Martinez himself as well, since since he is more known to being a, a running quarterback as well. Yeah, and then, you know, when you get down to the goal line, maybe Fries is a guy to go to it, you know, 5'10", 210. He's got a little more, you know, oomph. So, you know, and he's also – much... He's got a little more little, little more body built uh, yeah. to punch through the defensive line. And also, like, while I understand Deuce is, like, great in all aspects of running, including, you know, up the middle and stuff and, like, two tight end formations, like, that's – not I don't think that's his strong suit so I don't think we should be doing that a ton and we could probably do that with running backs who are better at that than Deuce and put Deuce out in space where he's able to just absolutely embarrass second level defenders but yeah I and, mean what and then you also, you also have to consider his um capability outside outside of a backfield um what when it comes to receiving as well I mean he led the team with 49 catches at, uh, last year. That's more than Phillip Brooks. That's more than Malik Knowles, more than Kate Warner, more than Landry Weber. I mean, it's just insane to, to think how much, how, how much are able to, he's just able to come up with so many incredible clutch moments um, for K-State when they needed, when they needed him the most. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite plays, this is, you know, a little Madden trick. You know, since obviously that makes me an expert. I love this little like Texas route that running backs run where you like look like you're just going out into the flat to the right, but you make a sharp little angle to the left. And I feel like that just works like every time. That would be one of my go-to plays with Deuce Vaughn. But that's just me, you know. That's that's a good that's a good one. But anyway, uh, do you have any more thoughts on the offense before you switch to the defense? I would I would say overall. The, the, the offense the offense is in a great position, especially if they're able to have the offensive line in a substantial position. I think that's going to be I think that's going to be one of the bigger keys uh, this season. Um, they'll have to rise up fast, especially with the with the competition that they're going to be getting heading into conference play this season. 
um, in which you're going to be dealing with a lot more with a lot more talented defenses uh, in the Big 12 because I mean you're kind of there's there's now becoming a more of a narrative in which you're starting to see Baylor, Oklahoma State, uh, and maybe Oklahoma under Brent Venable starting to t- turn uh, turn the tides when it comes to to having their defense having more impressive defenses come out and uh, just pounding and just take you out and pound and ground you every every game. So they're gonna have to they're gonna have to rise up fast is what I'm saying. But overall, um, it, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how Colin Klein is going to adapt and adapt to this to this whole team as the new offensive coordinator. And uh, we'll we'll just see how it goes from there. Yep. And we'll have a lot more to say about the K-State offense and Colin Klein is the new offensive coordinator next week in our uh, episodes Monday through Friday. So make sure to listen to those. But for now, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, cover the defense. And we're back. Well, John, we covered a lot of familiar faces on the offense. It's the same story for the defense. A lot of returners, really. The only thing where we really have like a couple of new guys is at safety, which is kind of like, which is kind of the main concern of the defense. You got two new guys, Kobe Savage and Josh Hayes, uh, both going to be manning back there. But I mean, the rest of the defense, you know, Echo Boydo and Julius Brents, uh, both at corner, both solid guys, you know, Julius Brents. I mean, he's like, what is he? Six, three wingspan is huge. He's a great cornerback. And then you got Felix and you DK Uzama, you know, at a D end, Eli Huggins and Nate Matlack. And then you also got Khalid Duke coming back, which is absolutely huge. We'll see how much he, if he if he plays, how much he plays uh, against South Dakota. But you'd imagine coming into conference play, you know, knock on wood, Khalid Duke should be good to go, and we'll have a really, really, really uh, impeccable defense. And not to mention Daniel Green, of course, but a really impeccable defense as well. For for sure, I I think when when you're looking at the overall uh, defense, kind of starting off with the secondary. They already have their established corners in Julius Brents and Echo Boydo. Um, and the safeties are getting reinforcements as well with former with with a former quarterback, uh, Sean Robinson coming from Missouri. He first started at TCU as a quarterback, but now he's he's a he's a he's a defense he's already, he's now a safety at K-State. I mean, it's just that's an interesting journey right there. And then you also got Juco transfer Kobe Savage. Uh, he'll be ready to go for sure. I think the biggest question um, for for the defense as a whole, like I said, with the op, well, well, pretty much with the entire overview, will be depth. And I think this one especially hits with the defense. It, it'll go for the offensive side too, but for now, it's it's about figuring how to get the starting lineup up to speed and then putting all the other parts um, they should fill in and. The the line is the good thing is that the defensive line isn't exactly a concern, but the tackle but the tacklers will have to rise up um, around veteran Eli Huggins. The pass rush should start with Felix and Deke Uzama and get veteran Nate Matlack into the mix. But again, the the overall depth and options need work. Um, I, I I guess the linebacking corps should be fine as well. Um, you you already got Will Harness. Um, He's already made producer from Nebraska. A little bit dinged up during some during um, some practices, um, but compared to last year, where he missed all of last year with knee with a knee injury, um, with Honus on the outside, and you should have leading tackler Daniel Green back in the middle as well. Kista will have bet one of the best two one one two uh, hitting punches in the Big Twelve without a doubt. 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, for Daniel Green, the the targeting and the ejections, like you mentioned, depth is a weakness. It's got to stop. Oh my gosh, that's got to stop. stop. I I don't know if he is the, if he's doing on purpose or an accident. <laughs> I don't. I'm. Let's not say he's even alleged he's doing it on purpose. He is definitely not doing it on purpose. Not I mean, it it's it, it's obviously not as easy just to tell, you know, just tell him be like, hey, don't do that. When, you know, it's like, you know, you can't tell him to like take the foot off the gas. Like he's in the middle of a football game, all adre- adrenaline up. Like, you know, he's oh, just, oh. he's going to rely on instincts and his instinct is just to like, you know, the, you know, the, the way he had had uh, me brick wall. The way he went, the way he just went after Jason Bean last year during the KU <laughs> game. Oh my! Gosh. Oh, that was that was woo. nasty. And oh he could, and he didn't play the rest of a year after that. Yeah. Oh, I I was I winced when I saw that. I was like, ee! Oh my I mean, gosh! I was like, all right, yeah, that pretty much describes our our in-state dominance right there. But um, uh, the defense, the defense, of course, they finished third in the Big Twelve. They were good enough to hold 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 against the stronger passing teams and allowed just 21 points per game uh, for the most part. And, um, of course, you got the back seven, eight, and the alignment. They should be ter- terrific once the transfers get used to their jobs. And the, pa- and the pass rush should be fine as well. Yeah, I mean, the defensive line is really the strong suit of it. You obviously have Felix, who's going to get a lot more attention this year, which is going to really open up, you know, Jalen Pickles, Nate Matlax, Kali Dukes to be able to really uh, feast on quarterbacks. Now, I don't know if you listened to the the three mob pod with their defense preview, but I think Cole set an over under for Nate Matlax sacks at like seven and a half, which seems really high to me. I think he had three and a half last year, but obviously he's going to have more one on ones with Felix getting a lot of attention. So I don't know. I would still lean towards the under, but he might get close. I probably, I probably lean, I probably lean under for now. Um, and the good news is that he'll, he'll have plenty of more to build um, as well. He's a promising young defensive defensive end uh, who some recruiting services indicated he was one of the more talented uh, prospects for the 2020 class. I mean, when he was one of the top defensive freshmen at, uh, uh, oh, I, I take that. I take that back. When he was one of the top defensive freshmen in the Big 12, after coming in strong towards the end of the year, uh, he, he earned votes for the league's coaches to uh, um, earning um, earning some votes for the Big 12 Defensive Freshman of the Year Award. Um, he, pre- he played in every game last season and started, up and, and started each of the final three contests. He finished second on the team with 3.5 sacks. Um, but overall, he's he's going to be – he was really remembered for um, highlighting – well, solidifying K-State's win last year in Lubbock where he just um, went off. And then, of course, he had some other great other great performances against Baylor and West Virginia as well. Um, so, uh, overall, you, there's a lot, lot to like about this defense. I would also add to uh, – when it comes to the secondary – um, maybe anticipate Jacob Parrish uh, to pl- to possibly play at cornerback a little bit more um, this upcoming season, um, but overall, this is going to be a uh, this is going to be a strong defense. And like I said, I mean, with with the Big Twelve uh, just starting to just just starting to get get all defensive all of a sudden with Oklahoma State, Baylor uh, showing up last year, K State was ranked third in the Big Twelve. 
in defense last year. So, I mean, this is going to be a dangerous, this is going to be a dangerous bunch. As long as they can stay healthy, I, I am looking forward to them, looking to, looking forward to them uh, to seeing them ball out for sure. Yeah, I mean, just like the offense, this is a really experienced group. I mean, you know, Felix is a junior. Eli's a senior. You know, got Will Hallness, who's a grad transfer. Daniel Green's a redshirt senior. Khalid Duke, even, you know, he missed last year, but he's a redshirt junior. I mean, these are a ton of old dudes on this team. And, I, I mean, like, if again, if not now, when this is the team to really, like, just take it all. And I, I'm really excited to see it, but uh, I'll obviously. Oh shoot! You okay? Hello. Uh. Oh, okay. I'm back. Well, anyway, <laughs> I don't know how, how am I going to edit that together. I don't know. That's going to be really hard to do. Yeah, it make all. make any sense? Anyways, my okay, mic we, cut out. We, so we, we embrace and we embrace in errors. Yeah, in the middle of an impassioned speech, that I was silenced by a. Uh, I don't know who, but it was definitely a sabotage plot. Probably the Aggieville Alley Cats. Um, Dang it. Because we're posting an episode on Friday, which is kind of, you know, that's, you know, the Friday morning is kind of their slot. We take the nighttime one, but we're, I think we're stepping on their turf. Those dang What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, well, anyway. Of course, we got the Boscos, boys. We're going to try and. That's a big fish. I don't know if we can step up to the plate there. Yep. Yep. For sure. John, you take a swing at the king. I mean, you best not miss. You know, <laughs> I ain't taking a swing. <laughs> I'm not swinging at the king right now. We've got to get a little bit more cloud. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, kind of, kind of wrapping up on on the defense. If they're if they're able to stay healthy and get off to the hot start, they'll be something a whole lot more than they were last year, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely get at least, you know, three picks off Spencer Sanders because he's an overrated quarterback. So, but anyway, we'll save that for a later preview. Um, We'll talk a lot about more about the defense and K-State football next week, answer a lot of big questions, do some trivia. Should be a lot of fun then. You're not going to want to miss that. And make sure you're following us on Twitter at ShakenBlake312. It's at ShakenBlake312 so you uh, never miss out on whenever we upload a podcast. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break, talk a little week zero college football conference realignment all right john we have returned college football is well when the people are listening to this one day away or maybe you're listening to this on saturday if you're listening to this on saturday happy college football you got till you know from 11 a.m to 9 30 p.m just nothing but college football so watching football uh, does it get any better than that like to its glory days that's right all right well i mean we got to start off 11 30 a.m john nebraska northwestern at i think how would you say that aviva stadium probably yeah in, I uh, think so. in dublin ireland at 11 30 in the morning i can't speak irish it's never too um, early for uh a, a guinness yeah that's not how irish people you. sound that's that sounds i like, just sound like um more, that's more german is that yeah that's more german <laughs> I, I, I can speak i can do an accent for like one sentence and then it just immediately goes away i can only do australian mate oi, oi, oi. fish 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 uh shrimp on the bobby oh this is historical anyway okay we're getting off track john what do you have to say about nebraska versus northwestern so i was i was just thinking about this before i came up with some of my predictions how am i going to pick against a guy named fitzgerald in ireland 
Like, like honestly, Northwestern Nebraska were supposed to go to Dublin in 2020. No, it was Illinois and Nebraska who were supposed to go to Dublin in 2020. But a global pandemic had something to do with getting moved. Um, played that game last year in Champaign, and Illinois whooped up on Nebraska. The Northwestern has to show that the problems of 2021 are well in the past. The style, toughness, and line play can be enough to get them back to a high level. Nebraska has to do has to show that all the changes under Scott Frost were enough to start winning. That includes getting rid of Adrian Martinez. You bring in Casey Thompson. And then you hope bring in a whole slew of coordinators as well. Add to that O'Shawn Mathis, who comes from TCU. I'm not anticipating anything too pretty. Northwestern's lines will be strong, strong enough as uh, Fitzgerald's squad will slow things down. But and Nebraska won't have a running game, running game to control the clock, and the third down conversions won't be there on a consistent basis. But I think ultimately Nebraska will hit two deep plays in the second half. And they'll pull away a little bit uh, in this one. I think Nebraska wins this one. Yeah, I mean, that's not exactly a, a, a surprise. I mean, Northwestern, just looking at these statistics, I'm completely – I have not I have not watched much Northwestern football for good reason. This team is awful. Oh, my gosh. I'm just looking through their stats on college football reference. Like, they didn't even have – they went through, like, three quarterbacks. They didn't even have a 1,000-yard passer. Like – Oh my God. Okay. They didn't, their three quarterbacks did not eat, eat like none of them had a positive touchdown to interception ratio. What? How did they threw for 13 touchdowns combined? I mean, they had a thousand yard rusher who had nine. God, this team did not score any points. Holy cow. Anyway. And, and Northwestern <laughs> and Pampets, Gerald, they typically get the best out of her players. Um, like, I mean, a few years back, they were in the big 10 championship game and, all of a sudden, they were they were stuck in the mud with Nebraska. Did last in the Big Ten West, um, so I don't know. I think North I think Northwestern may have some chances late, but I, I think with some of their offensive miscues, that's going to come back and haunt them. Um, it's very I, I think that offense is going to stall, and Nebraska is going is going to come out with a statement win to start the year. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Do you think Nebraska will cover? Um... I what, think it's 13 and a half. Yeah, I think it's 13. So do you think Nebraska could win by two touchdowns? No. No, I, I'm I'm gonna lay the I'm gonna lay the under on there. I like like I said, I think I think Northwestern you're, you're gonna pick Northwestern to cover. I'm gonna pick Northwestern to yeah. cover, but I got Nebraska winning the game. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean it's week zero, you know, maybe both teams will be kind of you know rusty, yeah. maybe be a low scoring game. You never know. And they're in Ireland, the time. I don't know how long they've been, like, when they traveled to Ireland, but I'm sure the time change messes with them, too. I, be- I um, believe they went on Monday or Tuesday. They went on one of those two days. That's, yeah, that makes it. You obviously want to get there at least a few days before to adjust to the, the time zone and everything like that so you're all prepared. And so, and I, uh, and I, and I know typically Notre, Notre Dame always plays in Ireland because Irish Catholic presence down, uh, in Ireland – uh, same thing kind of goes with Boston College, Catholic school. Got to have some of those connections as well. But, I mean, nothing speaks more Irish football than Nebraska versus Northwestern, doesn't it, Blake? Nothing more Irish than that. 
No, I I think I saw something on Twitter. It's like like Nebraska and Ireland similarities. It's like Ireland corned beef, and Nebraska corn comma beef. I thought that was funny. No, that was funny. And and then there's obviously you know the graphic on uh, was it on the Fox app, the Fox Sports app yep. that had the Northwestern Wildcats, but it was Willie the Wildcat instead our, our of like, Willie. Our Willie hit, our Willie was on a. For those who don't know. Um, there, there was a graphic on Fox, on Fox College Football, and they instead they had they had Herbie Husker on the le- on the right side for Nebraska. Then they had Northwestern on the right side, but instead of using their Willie, ripoff Willie, they used our Willie as as their as to represent Northwestern. Now I was I was thinking. Oh Jesus! This is the ghost of Adrian Martinez. He's gonna come back and bite Nebraska. And Casey Thompson, he he was he's spying on them. He's spying on them with with the big willy head. And when Nebraska loses, he's gonna be like, ha ha! Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that definitely will be interesting. I'm having, I'm having too much fun. Oh, that's that's exactly the goal of the show. So, uh, what's next, John? Is it a uh, Wyoming, Illinois? You want to talk about? Yeah, Wyoming right. and Illinois. So, this is the first time Wyoming they have faced a Power Five program since opening up the 2019 season with a win over Misery, 37 to 31. That was in Laramie. Uh, however, their last one of our Power Five program was on the road at Ole Miss in 2005. This year's Cowboy team might be well-coached. Of course, they won't cheat anyone out on their efforts. But they lost a lot of players from the transfer portal this past season. And I think it's I think they're going to be going for too much of an overhaul. I, I, like, the, like the Nebraska-Northwestern game, it won't be anything pretty. But Illinois will take over, on the, take over with the lines in the second half. The running game will we'll have a rough time early. Uh, but the dam will break halfway through the third quarter. I think ultimately, I think ultimately Brett Bielema's squad gets the job done. All right, cool. And then, I mean, to round oh, out the night. Sorry. Yep. No, you're time. fine. And then we have, you know, so we got, you know, morning, afternoon, then we got a nighttime game here at Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Late, later, later than prime time. I mean, this is yeah. morning for, this is like way early morning for us. Uh, yeah, and it's what, like, I, 4 30 or something like that hawaii time maybe maybe earlier than that i don't know i forgot always the rainbow warriors oh that's so great the rainbow warriors very very throwback uniforms are fantastic my gosh if you have oh, I gotta, look, yeah i gotta check those out really good um but hawaii their passing game will have its moments but vanderbilt's going to pound away um i mean yeah that's gonna be rare vanderbilt will pound away of all teams um, as much as it's able to uh, against Hawaii's defense, so it was ranked uh, dead last in the Mountain West last year. I think Vanderbilt's toughness up front get uh, – I think – actually, I, I take that back. I, I think there's going to be toughness from Hawaii's defense, but the secondary is going to be a work in progress. I mean, it's nothing like Vanderbilt's ever easy, but it's – I mean, well, take it for granted as a K-State fan – You'll always have those nightmare nightmares when you have to wake up in the night and say, like, how the hell did we lose to Vanderbilt? 
but it's an SEC team. It needs to act like it. I, I got I got banned about getting a statement win uh, with their new head coaching and, and company. Yeah, I mean, they may be a terrible SEC team, but they're still in the SEC. So they're not like, you know, truly as bad. So, John, and, if – go ahead. And, in Hawaii as well, uh, after the after the football season, they dealt with a lot of off-season issues where they had seventeen plus players leave the program, and well, which ultimately led to their coach getting fired. So, I mean, it was just a hot mess all around for Hawaii. Probably still will be a mess because they still haven't figured out their dang stadium situation. Um, I mean, they're playing they're playing in a really small stadium right now. It, it, it serves their track and field team, oh. um, but um, but they're going to be making they're make they used to play in Aloha Stadium, but struct but structurally it was not getting to the point where it was conditionally safe. So they had to take it down, and they're going to be making a new one here here over the next few years. So I don't know. Hawaii's just an ultimate. I mean Hawaii. I mean Hawaii is a great place to visit, but their athletics programs are a mess. Okay, hypothetically, if like you know Hawaii gets a better stadium, do you think they should bring back the Hawaii Bowl? Or I it's called the, the Aloha Bowl. Oh yeah, no. I mean they were going. I mean they they've always played the Hawaii. Well, they played the Hawaii Bowl every year. Um, in twenty twenty, they played in Frisco, Texas, I believe, since Hawaii's travel. Uh, problems with COVID, but um, they were about to play last year with Memphis and Hawaii playing in there, but COVID, but, um, COVID prevented Hawaii from playing. Uh, got Memphis stuck in Honolulu for a few days, but um, ultimately, if if Hawaii if Hawaii like somehow gets in, dang, I kind of wait. What what were you what were you asking again? Oh, I was just I don't. Like I know the like Aloha Bowl is cool, but like or I guess it's called the Hawaii Bowl now. The Aloha Bowl was like when K State went in the nineties. But it's just like who's gonna come? Like I, I get that like you're a football team and you get to go to Hawaii. Like that's pretty I mean, sick. But that, like that's, that's pretty much why Hawaii is going to be always playing in there because they're gonna Hawaii's gonna draw more fans and yeah. I mean, so but, what's but, the but the nearest they're gonna draw is like Fresno State. San Diego State, San Jose State, maybe Boise State as well. I mean, like it's gonna be, it's gonna be a Mountain West team and some other team that nobody's too familiar with. Used to be the Pac-12, but um, that never happened. I, I, I think I think K-State played Boston College one year in Hawaii. I could be wrong. It's it's been too long. It's been too long. Yeah, they did. And they won, and they lost twelve to seven. Jeez, jeez, Boston all the way to Honolulu, like oh my gosh! Yeah, forty-five thousand people in attendance for that game. That's actually really impressive. Good for them. But it's That's just, really it's, good. yeah, it's just weird that like you're watching like a bowl game and you see there's like five thousand people in the stands. And it's just like, like why? Yeah, like yeah. Let's let's see if the yeah, so like you had forty five thousand in the nineties. There were some fifties too. I saw in there. All these games since two thousand two, uh, up through two thousand nineteen. The last two uh, have been canceled. I mean, you have max of forty three. December twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. It was Hawaii playing against BYU, and only twenty one thousand five hundred people showed up. 
Yeah. Which is still like, you know, it's a decent amount, but for a bowl game, like you, re- oh, I don't know, especially with Hawaii as like, they're playing a bowl game in Hawaii. I don't know. It just never really made a lot of sense to me. That was kind of a big tangent, but I mean, college when, football's back. So when, when Hawaii, when Ho- uh, that, that Hawaii was in its glory days, back when Mark Mangina was still coaching for KU and Hawaii, I believe they made it to as high as a Sugar Bowl appearance um, back in 2007. 2007, of course, was the craziest year. So, of course, you're yeah. going to have Hawaii playing in a BCS Bowl game, just like Kansas is as well. So, But since then, it's kind of gone downhill for the Rainbow Warriors. Yeah. Oh, they, call, they, call, they call the women's sports Rainbow Wahine. Oh, that's cool. Do you think, uh, like, we when we – you know, just start making millions and millions of dollars off this podcast. We should start a Shake and Blake Bowl, and then just host it at it's Bill taking, Snyder Family taking, Stadium. I mean, Jimmy Kimball already has his bowl game, but yeah, Jimmy bowl, and they have a camel as 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 the bowl's mascot as well. But what 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 would your what would your bowl name be? Would it be like the Shake and Blake? Yeah, why wouldn't why do you call Blake the Shake and Blake Bowl? bowl? Will Farrell and uh, John C. Riley will show up. No, you gotta have it. You gotta have their like their face. Their, you gotta have. You gotta have their faces on midfield. Oh yes! Oh my gosh! No, that no, would be no, so no, funny. No, 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 I mean we're getting off track, but but I'll I'll, I'll add the final touches to this. No, this is a productive play this, tangent. Play, play this at Talladega. Like play play the football game at Talladega. <laughs> Yes, that'd be that, hilarious. That's the perfect idea. That just um, like <laughs> listen, everyone out there, do not give us a loads of money. I will spend it in a very stupid way. <laughs> I would do stuff like that. That'd be so funny. Don't oh, be Jimmy Kimmel. Pretty much is what. Wait, does Barstool Sports have a bowl? I feel like I saw that they yeah, had Bar, a bowl. Bar, Barstool Barstool okay. has the Arizona Bowl, so okay, that okay. that's always played in Tucson. Boise State and Central Michigan were supposed to play in that, but um, uh, ultimately COVID, of course, just had to be COVID. Uh, yeah, got Boise yeah. State, so Central Michigan decided to take a 10-hour bus ride to El Paso and beat up on Washington State in the Sun Bowl. Yeah, so. I, I don't really have anything else to add. Um, shaking my – I just – can you imagine, like – I, I I enjoyed that. I that was that was a topic that I just like somehow in some way expanded. Like, I mean, no nobody like who would make a who would who would make a topic that features Vanderbilt in Hawaii and expand on that about Vanderbilt in Hawaii. Yeah, it'd be one of those bowls that like it's like on December fifteenth and it's like Tulane and Troy or something or like you know like Central Louisiana. And it's like no, like a few people watch it just because it's the first few bowl games. So like you want to get warmed up. Central Connecticut State, Ball uh, State. Well, okay, wait, what's not a state? Would you do? Would I think one of us should do like the coin toss? Uh, do you want to do it or should I? Um, I feel, we need to get like one well, of like a cool coin too, with like like heads. Here's Blake. Turn tails. Here's John. Gosh, so we need. We need to get this prototyped. Who would who would who would be? I'd probably. Oh geez, I'd vote for Andy to flip the coin. <laughs> he just seems like the type of dude that would do it. I mean, like, come on, I'd be, I'd be fun. 
I mean, we have to pay it forward to, you know, the people who got us there. So it makes a lot of sense. For sure. For Shout sure. out Andy Leaps, our, our great uh, boss at K-State HGTV. So he <laughs> yeah, he can, he, can do the, he can do the coin toss for the game. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think of some like, I'm just trying to think of like in-game entertainment we could do that's like somehow related to our show. There'd obviously be trivia or something or who just, knows how our gags will evolve just, over the next few years. In terms of pregame, how about how about if if Andy's listening to this on K State HDTV, if we ever have a bowl game invented, in terms of our pregame, halftime, and postgame shows, well, maybe not postgame, but pregame and halftime, just to make the crowd happy, we will we will make them show our our bumpers, like our K State HDTV bumpers. Yeah, to go along with that. Show the video board when the video board is showing another video board and it's like a onward repeats. Um, like, like, like you pin the camera towards a video board and it just starts showing the video board, video, video board. That's what they, they did that um, with soccer on Sunday against Northern Colorado. So, oh, nice. I don't know. I don't or they, know. Could, they could all just have like the Shake and Blake logo just like moving around the screen and then every once in a while it touches the corner. Just all of them are doing that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's um, army army did this against Navy a couple of years back. Um, um, I think during the COVID year where they had um, all the soldiers um, from army and Navy, uh, they, they, they played the game over at West point and during one of the timeouts um, they have, they had the DVD sign just, um, like moving across the black screen. And once when it hit the corner, everybody was just going insane. Oh my gosh, dude. This is, this is a fun topic already. I can't believe it's lasted this. Yeah. And then, and then what's going to happen is we're going to uh, develop some sort of rivalry with the podcast. And then we're going to do like one of those like old school videos they used to do like 10 years ago at K-State games where like, like they're like messing, they're like saying something mean about us on Twitter and then they're doing something else and then they start running onto the field and obviously everybody's booing the crap out of them. And then, you know, and then I come in and I just give them like the, you know, the, the biggest tackle of all time to great cheer. Um, no, you, you would be the, you'd be the slingshot. No, it's, it's, it's chicken blood. You'd be the sling. I'll be the slingshot. Oh yeah. And then you start, then you start, uh, you start coming and you lay the final knockdown. Yeah. It's, I mean, we have this perfectly planned out. I think uh, Shake and Blake Ball coming twenty forty. That's right. That's right. We're 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 reaching towards new towards new new levels, Blake. Hold on one second. Okay, how much money does it cost to sponsor a bowl game? Probably more than how than what the Pac twelve is going to be making here in the next few years. Let's see. Okay. For smaller bowl games and conferences, brands are paying somewhere between $500,000 to a million dollars for their title sponsorship opportunities. Yeah. I mean, that's like, a, you know, that's not bad. That's all right. <laughs> but hold on. Unless if you're for like a top tier one, we're looking at 25 to $30 million, I think. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely being like a December 15th bowl, so... Well, I guess that's why um, the Cactus Bowl has been through so many name changes. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, anyway, that was quite a tangent. Um, I know we have oh, some, there's some conference realignment stuff to touch on, but I feel like 
this tangent is a good place to end the episode. What do you think, John? I mean, but the only thing I had to point out um, was Greg McMurphy pointing uh, was uh, reporting on the Big Ten in Oregon. They had some pre- preliminary expansion discussions. Um, this was the first step along the process to add Oregon to the Big Ten potentially. And um, with the way things are looking, it looks as if Oregon's not interested in signing a long-term deal with the Pac-12 and kind of the same narrative is, is going on. The Big Ten will likely take a few more Pac-12 teams. The Big 12 will take probably the Arizonas, Utah, and Colorado, stuff like that. And We'll, we'll see what happens from there. Um, the, the ACC, um, another podcast um, had uh, the uh, second the second chairman of the of ESPN. Um, oh, what's his name? Is um, ah, dang it. Who? Oh, here we go. ESPN executive Burke Mangus. Oh. He was he was a uh, he was on um, he was on a podcast a couple of days ago. Um, it looks as if the AC, he's, he, he is going to try and really push for the ACC to remain a conference. Um, and that really all hinges because of the ACC network. ESPN spent so much um, on the ACC network. Um, they're going to try and keep the ACC afloat no matter, I mean, no matter how much schools like Florida State, Clemson, and Miami want to leave, ESPN is going um, to try and keep the ACC afloat mainly because of the conference mainly because uh, of the of the TV network for the most part. And then um, you also got potential um, partnership, uh, a, a partnership continue on, continuing for between the Big 12 and the uh, ESPN and Fox potentially, kind of, uh, keeping it short term as well. So it, it looks as if there's going to be four power conferences and the Pac-12 is, is the Pac-12 is likely screwed at this point. I mean, there's no ways you can get you can you can um, make it uh, losing Los Angeles, which is pretty much 40 percent of your revenue market uh, for the most part. And I already I already went through on a tangent tangent the last episode. So uh, I'll I'll just kind of limit it. But um, just anticipate for something to come out, maybe not maybe not like within the next few days, maybe. Over, over a month or two, we'll see how things are uh, till then. Yeah, you'd think they'd kind of hold back a little bit during college football season. But, I mean, you never know with conference realignment. I mean, stuff just kind of happens so fast. I mean, it's like, well, I mean, like Texas and Oklahoma have kind of been, you know, talking to the SEC a little bit. And then a week later, like, oh, they're joining the, they're joining the SEC. They already voted. And they said, oh, wow, okay. I mean, everything happens so fast with college football these days and conference realignment. It's just, it's, it's and it is the, truly insane. Here, here's the thing about the big 10 as well. Don't they, don't forget, they have an escalator clause that will reach up to $10 million. So, and, and we've also mentioned that Kevin Warren, he's looking at potentially going for some more expansion as well. So he, he is just into the thick of things when it comes to conference realignment. And it, it, it's not going to – I'll tell you one thing. It's not going to last very well for the Pac-12. It's, it's not. I mean, there's, there's, there's no ways you can survive what's going to take place here pretty soon. I mean, Oregon's already in talks with the Big Ten. Arizona reached out, reached out to the Big Ten earlier today, but they'll likely be in the Big 12. Um, 
since Stanford and Washington are just a lot more valuable from a media and academic perspective, but I don't know, man. It, it, I'm just looking. I'm just looking forward to football season and no more stupid realignment real crap from John Wilner, John Clownzano, some of the other guys like that. Because I, I mean, I'm just. Oh my goodness. It's exhausting. It's almost it's almost as exhausting as getting false up for KU football, and then Oof. eventually, and then you then you find out your two wide receivers are in big trouble. So, yeah, but I mean, this was their year, John. Up, I'm sorry, Blake. I, I had to I had to end it. I, I thought I was going to end it on one more thing, but uh, of course we we had to we had to make fun of KU a little bit because it's it's Kansas. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not number one in the country in best quality of life. So. Nope. And uh, some of some of the, some potential allegations when it comes to two of their football players will be mainly the ultimate factor on why KU will be nowhere near when it comes to quality. (laughs) It's okay. Well, maybe they will, they're just, they're probably not going to beat Duke anymore. They'll probably they were going to probably lose to the rest of the conference anyway, but they're, maybe they're, they're be, just not going to beat the other one be, of the worst teams in the Power Five. I mean, they're going to be Texas, though. I mean, I mean, that, <laughs> it's a given. That's already a guarantee. So yeah, they're probably going. I think Vegas will probably have them as favorites when they play each other. I don't but know. I, <laughs> I think I think Tennessee Tech might take them. I mean, I think Tennessee Tech's going to take them down to the wire now. My gosh. Yeah. So if you, talk about an ultimate game changer. Yeah. By the way, if you don't know. Two KU wide receivers were uh, arrested on suspicion of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Based on the article that me and John, or that John showed me from the Lawrence Journal, I think it seems like they were driving a car. They come out of the car, say a few words to somebody else in a different car, flash a gun. Uh, I'm not sure what the words were, obviously. And then, you know, I think, I think that's pretty much the end of it. They get in the car and then they drive away. Now, obviously it's not, you know, like, actual assault but pointing a gun at somebody is still assault obviously there's just you know different ways to uh there's different definition of assault anyway that's not my specialty but anyway it's just it's not a good look for KU that's basically all I need to say so yeah those are those are two wide receivers I were anticipating to start this season yeah I mean I mean I'm just kind of I'm 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 I can't I can't get enough of these reactions on Twitter um one one of a KU fans um, he, he's he's one of the bigger football fans, and he's like, you he, he put out this gif like before before this, but before this broke out, he's like, oh my gosh, looking forward to seeing some Jayhawk football. And then this news breaks, and he's, then he just starts cussing. He's like, just when you think things can turn the turn the effing corner, things the crap happens, and he just he just goes on a tangent on it. I, I don't know. Man. KU fans, you're not listening to this podcast, but if you are, just turn off your phone for a couple months until, I don't know, October, you know, basketball season comes around. Until they celebrate that pointless midnight pep rally that they have over at the Fog. Oh, yeah. Is Snoop Dogg going to be there (laughs) again? Where are those Paul's trippers when you need them? Yeah, maybe they'll get Chris Brown to come or something like that. You know, I don't know. But anyway, well, John, it's just I've given him enough enough great performances already. Yeah. 
Well, uh, John, it's just it's such a shame we have to end on a downer. I mean, an actual uh, those you know those players definitely should not have been doing that and deserve to be arrested. But anyway, well, we always have the shake and Blake bowl to remember. Uh, so you know, I think that's a good way to go out, John. I think it is as well. I think we. <laughs> I still can't get enough of the Vanderbilt Hawaii discussion. <laughs> well, you know, just you get the ball rolling. I just ask a random, and we just, we just, we just start going. So yeah, that's what that's what we do on the Chicken Blake podcast. I, you're just talking. I'm just thinking, what's the most random question I can ask John to put us on a like this huge rabbit hole of designing an entire sponsored ball game? That's what. Well, I mean, I mean, I was thinking of. I was thinking of uh, Northwestern Nebraska, like way before this, and I had to, like, I had to question what, what, why would you pick against Fitzgerald in Ireland? Like, because <laughs> yeah, they're they're led by Pat's, Pat Fitzgerald and all. I I don't know, man. I'm just ready for college football season already. Yep. Well, I just like to throw it out there. If you'd like to donate a million dollars to see our faces on this on center field for a ball game. You can send us a DM at Shake and Blake 312, and you might as well follow us while you're there to get caught up on all the K State sporting news and when we're dropping new content because we're dropping five new episodes next week. Episode yeah. dropping every day, Monday through Friday, answering five big questions. And then on um, Friday on Wildcat 919 from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., we'll be answering the biggest of the big questions. And then also do a little bit of trivia. Trivia is back, so that will be a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, make sure you check out all those episodes that come out when they come out. Thank you so much for listening and, uh, catch my 90. Catch my 90. Emo. Emo. Emo.